Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Chris John Riley. I'm joined by my uh, co-host Martin McKay, and today we're lucky enough to be talking to Helen Patton, Advisory CISO at Cisco. It's harder to say than I anticipated. <laughs> so you're, you're joining uh, us today to talk a little bit about the presentation you're giving at the upcoming FIRST conference in Dublin. Now, the title is a little bit of a mouthful, How to Talk to a Board So the Board Will Talk Back, which I hope I got correct. Welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so actually I'm the newest member of Wendy Nather's advisory CISO team at Cisco, which means I've been here for 18 months, and that means 12, 15 months of that has been under COVID restrictions, so I actually don't know what my job is really meant to be. I'm hoping to find that out in the next year or so. <laughs> does, um, does any of us really know what our job is meant to be? I mean... Really know, yeah, and and the role is really great. We're, we're a bunch of folks who've all been operational CISOs at one point or another in our lives before. I happen to be the CISO at The Ohio State University for eight years, which was a real fun job. And I mean that <laughs> without a hint of irony. Um, and while I was in that role, one of the things that was really perplexing to me was how to talk about the security program with the board because they didn't know anything about security. They thought it was a tech issue, blah, 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 blah. And coming to this advisory CISO role at Cisco, and I'm talking to a whole bunch of folks who are customers and not customers and just in the industry, they've all got the same problems. And so I've been digging deeper on how do we, how do we, how do we establish a relationship with the board? How do we continue to maintain it? How do we help them? Because they don't really know what they're doing either. So they need some handholding. Uh, and that's what the talk's going to be about is, is sort of, you know, how, how do you, how do you get that relationship to be functional and not adversarial or absent? We don't like being ghosted, do we, Martin? <laughs> and so, you know, how do we, how do we deal with that? I, I would never ghost you. Chris is a completely different matter, but <laughs> it's true. It's very true. It sounds like you're having to learn almost a, a new language in some ways to, to communicate to the board. Um, how different is it than the language that we as security professionals would use to communicate with each other? Yeah. So the main, the main difference is the board's job is not to manage. The board's job is to govern, which is a little bit different, right? So, and, and the C-suite of an organization does not want the board to be micromanaging how they do their day-to-day -day job. Like they really don't. And as security people, we're used to dealing with management, CEOs and others, they may be executive management, but they're still management. So, you know, first of all, you've got to understand the role of the board and their job is to make sure that the organization is functioning strategically and effectively and appropriately. But their job is not to do 
like to, with a capital D. So we have a tendency as security people to go in and say, oh, thank God, the board's asking me a question. That means they're going to free up money and they're going to make you know, they're going to make stuff happen. No, they're, no, they're not. They don't. That's not their job. You're still going to have to work with your CFOs and your budget people and your finance people and your operations managers and all that kind of stuff to get stuff done. So then the question is, what does the board want to know? And that that dialogue is a different language. Um, but I also think we need the board to learn a different language too, because there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of um, they there's a lot of stuff about security that isn't quite IT. It's not quite business operations. It's not quite compliance, but it's all of those things together. And most of the people who sit on boards haven't had a background in those things. And so they need to learn a language too, and we need to teach them what it is. I'm a little bit frustrated that that there's a lot of dialogue in the industry that says, CISOs need to learn the language of the board. Well, they do, but it's a two-way street. And and I advocate for board members learning how to talk the language of security just as much. So how, how do you flip the narrative? I mean, traditionally, talking about security is it has a negative connotation, right? You, you don't ask, you don't necessarily get a question from the board when things are going well. When things right. are going well, security is in the background, right? I mean, I remember well from the, you know, Y2K, uh, issues. I'm dating myself now, but I'm in a good company with Martin here. So, um, you know, it's, you know, you spend all this money and nothing happened. Where did you waste all this money? And I was like, well, because you spent the money, nothing happened. It was well planned. And you know, But effectively, boards maybe see security in a negative light. And how do you flip that so that when you're having discussions, the first time you have the discussion is not when someone says you need to answer for something bad that happened? Yeah, so some of it has to be actually driven top down. If the board doesn't want to talk about security until the proverbials already hit the fan, they're not going to, right? It's really hard for a CISO to set the agenda of what the board's going to talk about. They're going to have to come and ask. Um, so part of the work of the CISO is getting sort of <laughs> burrowing through the matrix to get to where the board is to plant a seed in their brain that they need to be thinking about it. Now, the good thing is, they're starting to hear it from other places. So that's one thing. The other thing that's really different than Y2K, and I'm old enough to have been in that world too, unfortunately, um, is every business these days relies on technology and information to do their business, regardless of the industry that they're in. And so boards are starting to recognise that when they have a conversation about where their company's headed, where what strategic projects they're doing, whether they're doing mergers and acquisitions, whether whether they're expanding into a new geography, whatever, there is a technology and information component to that. And therefore, there is also a technology and information risk component to that. And they need to get to a point where they're talking about the strategic objectives of the business and the risks associated with it at the same time. And what's happened structurally in the boards is that there's a most boards have a risk and audit committee like an audit committee that handles all the bad stuff and then they've got other committees that handle the good stuff and the committees don't talk to one another in the same at this 
in at the same time they talk in parallel so the boards are going to need to change the structure and then we can have conversations that says if you do security well you're going to be faster in terms of mergers and acquisitions you're going to have stronger confidence in your supply chain you're going to have a better time retaining talent not just security talent but any talent because it's going to be easier to do their job if you've got a good security program like you we're going to have to flip that language and then you can talk about what is the value of the business that is being enabled by security and that is the language of the board right it's not how many vulnerabilities we have or how how often we've been attacked although they're probably going to want to ask that at some point it is what 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 business thing is going to be worse if we don't do security well in that area and there's going to be some parts of the business where it's not going to be worse and that's this is sort of the the CISO definition of crown jewels is where security adds the most value and the stuff we don't care about we're going to take a risk exception from is the area where security is not going to really make it be a differentiator right what's job is to let is to set the risk tolerance profile of the organization that is one of their jobs so and i think yeah. that's kind of important as well is that i mean a lot of people myself included, grow up in the security industry. And when we're, we look at a risk and we say, this, some, this is something that has to be eliminated. You know, it's insecurity. It's very much this black and white view of there's a risk, patch it. There's a risk, yep. fix it. There's a risk, remove it. And businesses don't work that way. In fact, you, if you don't take risks, the, your business is going to be stale. You're not going to be able to push things forward. And I think that's a very big disconnect between upper management, C-level and boards and people who are in the, in the weeds looking at, at vulnerabilities and bugs is that there is always going to be a certain element of accepted risk to, to move the business forward. Yeah, there is. And it, it, it's also a matter of degree, right? So there are things in the security program that you can do that across the board is going to mitigate some of your risks. And that's fine. The conversation at the board isn't baseline security stuff. Like that's a management conversation. And and that's where that should stay. Unless the, it's unless it's log4j, in which case they heard about it and now they want to know about it. So yeah, but but actually, you know, infosec Twitter got all, you know, all in a bunch about log4j. Boards sort of didn't, other than what they saw as a Wall Street Journal-y kind of article kind of thing. But it that was too esoteric. Now WannaCry, happy what is it, fifth anniversary of WannaCry this week, right? WannaCry was a thing because they saw entire companies sort of like stopping operations. And so what we're seeing right now is the reason security is getting so much play at the board level is because they've woken up to the fact if they don't have good security, then operations will stop. It's well, not that they don't care that, that, that security's job gets harder. Thank you very much, Log4j. They care that when Log4j turns into an event and they can't sell crap, that now is their problem to manage well, and that's why solar winds is more impactful than log 4j to the board not to security people but to the board but i want you you sort of bring us back to a new set of risks a new set of of things that we have to talk to the board about which is politics um i mean i know he doesn't look up but chris is is the youngest of the three of us and um doesn't remember some of the po political headlines from the 80s and 90s um but we're seeing um security we're seeing hacking become a political headline now which definitely gets the board's attention as well 
It does. And, and the mechanics of that are at the board level, it's what do we do with our risk? We're going to accept it. We're going to mitigate it. We're going to transfer it, right? The problem with the political risk, and I'm going to go straight into ransomware. The problem with nation state ransomware attacks is you can't transfer that to your insurance agents. Like cyber insurances have always carved out nation state acts of war as an, ex as an exception to a policy anyway. Um, we've now got federal governments uh, sort of saying, hey, if you see this ransomware event coming from a restricted country, and in, in US terminology, that's North Korea, Iran, now Russia, uh, and China, you know, th th those Nigeria, those kinds of places, then we're actually legally sort of prohibited from being able to ex to transfer our risks in those spaces. We've got to own our risks. And so the board is like, oh, we can't just buy our way out of this problem. We're, we are actually going to have to change the way the business runs in order to manage this according to the geopolitical landscape. And it's really challenging like we used to be able to say as long as we do our own stuff really well we've got our act together and the reality is unless the community and society writ large does things really well we won't have our act together and the board doesn't know how to handle that systemic risk problem and CISOs aren't doing a really great job at the moment of being able to articulate that impact yet um, so again we we as a community we need to be doing a better job of thinking about how we talk about those kinds of issues nation state political issues are a really big part if you're in a CISO position right now you're, you're listening to this and you're looking for you know those one or two things you can do to start that conversation right you're maybe you're in a position where the board is a mystery to you they're not talking to you they're not asking you questions how do you how do you engage how do you take that first step to say we haven't been breached, but I would like to present something. I would like to talk. I'd like to start that dialogue. Yeah, I think uh, there's sort of a, a strategic view to that question and a tactical view to that question. I think strategically, uh, a security leader has to educate themselves on where the boards are today. So I'd be looking at resources from the World Economic Forum. They've got a lot going on in terms of advice for boards and governance groups around how to govern risk. This isn't a question of how to operate risk. This is understanding how governance needs to happen. Um, the the NACD in the United States, so that I'm going to get the terminology wrong, National Association of basically boards of directors has a whole thing on cyber. Sorry, mind blank. I couldn't remember the <laughs> acronyms. There's too many acronyms. Uh, not or you said mind being blank. We work with Chris. Yeah, I know. It's a thing. So anyway, NACD in the US uh, has a whole bunch of resources for boards of directors. I would tell a CISO or a security leader, go educate yourself on what the board is hearing. That's number one. Internally in a company, one of the challenges a lot of security folks have is that there are at least three layers of organization removed from having direct contact with the board of directors. And so you're going to have to understand in your own company what is the communication path to the board of directors, who's in that path, and you've got to go make friends with them. In my old role, there was a whole office of the board of directors, and they did nothing but sort of triage the communications that were coming from the management side of the house to the board side of the house and they set the agendas for meetings and they did all of those kinds of things you you are going to have to know how that works in your company 
and be able to then apply what you've learned in terms of what the board should be doing to how to get that messaging up to the board if it's not already coming down to you from them. So question of push and pull of information is important right now. So how does an advisory CISO um, fit into this sort of ecosphere? I mean, it, it, if Dave Lewis is doing it, it can't be that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Dave. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's... um. So I, I do think one of the areas that an organ that a CISO or security leader can look at is what's happening with some of their vendors and, and who's in the vendor space like an advisory CISO who can who can be a mentor, who can be a partner, who can let you know sort of what the rest of the world is doing, right? You don't have to reinvent the wheel on this one. So the advisory CISO role is a place to go and say, what are you hearing from everybody else? What are you hearing from other people in my vertical? Because the vertical is important. What are you hearing from other people in my region? Because the regional implications and the regulations are important in these conversations as well. Um, so the advisory CISO can be a connector to those kinds of, of reports, data, metrics, those kinds of things that can help you build your case internally for what you want your board to hear. That's the role of advisory CISOs. And just to be clear, We've all known Dave Lewis for a long time, so it's not coming out of left field. He's a good guy, and we just have to tease him <laughs> yeah. some. But, but please trim the beard. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the one, the only one with a beard on the call, and I'm, I'm saying trim the beard. So definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it's been four or five days since I shaved. It's almost as thick as yours. Me yeah. too. I'm so glad this isn't a video podcast. So yeah. <laughs> one of the questions I have is: Can you talk a little bit about? times where you, know, you haven't been able to get through to the board, right? I mean, may, I don't want to say it's an adversarial situation, but maybe there's a lot of politics going on and you just can't yeah. break through. What do you do in those kind of situations where there's, there is a strict barrier here and you are not getting through it, right? So there's, whoever's filtering yeah. these messages, doesn't matter how much coffee and chocolate you buy them, they are not going to help you get this message <laughs> up, right? It's a, it, boards don't realize it, but they put, security leadership in a pretty difficult position. And I've been in this position myself, right? So one of the questions that boards are told to ask, and it's a reasonable question, is how effective is security management at your organization? Now, there is a, a component to that that the security leader absolutely owns. But the reality is how well security is managed at an organization is an organizational wide problem that the security leader can influence, but they're not the accountable party when it comes to how well security is being prioritized and managed. Well, I mean, there's a reason, there's a reason why it's the chief, chief scapegoat officer, right? Yeah, absolutely, right? So I've been in situations where I've, I've sat in the board and they've said, you know, who's, well, who's really responsible for this? And I've had to go, the, you know, this guy over here, it's actually not me. And that guy over there wasn't really prepped to be ready to respond to those answers right so you know it we've sort of got to turn up and go you know that thing that that everybody else was telling you was this this sort of beauty queen beautiful thing yeah your, your baby's a little ugly right <laughs> and oh by the way the people who made the baby ugly are the same people who compensate me and reward me and promote me and i've just thrown you know so it's a really difficult political role to be in honestly even if things are going really well because the board wants you to be transparent with them about what's not working. And typically what's not working isn't the security tools, it's other processes that are happening in the organization, right? 
So that's the first yeah. thing. The question then of how do you get to the board if there's a block? One, I think you just got to keep working at it. It's not something that's going to happen over time, number one. The second thing is most people who serve on a board serve on multiple boards. So they're serving on boards at other companies. There is nothing stopping a security leader reaching out to the CISO at the other company and saying, what are you telling your board member? What are they hearing from you? You know, look at the LinkedIn profile of the boards of directors, see what companies they've worked at before. Have they been part of a breach before at another company? Go talk to the people who've given them messaging in the past, find out what they've heard. And then that's your starting point for what you need to, like you don't wanna go and tell a board member what how painful it will be if they go through a breach, if they've already been through a breach. You need to know where their heads are at and going to the other security teams that they've come into contact with in their career is a great place to start. So I would think about that and you never know, those other people may still have communication paths to those board members. There is nothing to stop you from leveraging those paths for yourselves. One thing that I can keep coming back to is this idea of politics and with everything that's going on in Russia, everything that's going on in, in other parts of the world, does the CISO belong in the conversation about doing business in places that are now um, antithetical to some of our, our business's core values or a business's yes. core values? Absolutely. And I was talking to someone who was the CISO of a large international organization probably about 12 months ago, actually. And I, and the, the purpose of the conversation wasn't about the board. It was who makes purchasing decisions in your organization. And he said, I spend most of my time with the C-suite and the board, helping them understand the risks that are involved in the strategic plans that they have. And my team will do the purchase decisions and those kinds of things. And the example he gave was this particular company wanted to establish data centers in China so they could expand their footprint in China. Well, what are the privacy risks of that? What are the physical security risks of that? What are the cyber security risks of that? What are the fraud risks of that? Like all, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that. And he spent his time with the boards talking about, okay, if you're going to do it, then here are the things you need to do so that we remain resilient if borders shut down, if supply chains are interrupted, if whatever, right? That was where he spent his time. Now, he's in an unusual position. Most of the CISOs I talk to do not get to be in the strategy setting pieces. They, they, are, they are handed down these tablets of, look, this is the strategy of the organization, and then they have to react to it. So yeah, we absolutely need CISOs to be in the conversations where, where strategy decisions are being made so that the strategy decisions are made with full understanding of the decision makers and understanding the operational impact. Okay, you can do this thing, but I'm gonna need to stand up a new team that we haven't budgeted for yet that's gonna take care of these other elements because this is what you wanna do. Okay, right? Yeah, I mean, resilience is a good way to put it. One of the things that worries me more about, you know, coming up with a new strategy and trying to understand what resilience looks like for your organization in a new environment is the the decisions that are thrust upon you that weren't a decision last week. Like, uh, you know, it's suddenly the, the Ukraine-Russia situation at forefront of mind. You know, January, you know, December last year, not so much of an issue. Suddenly, overnight, 
suddenly your resiliency plans are, are out the window and you are relying on a group of third-party vendors, partners, companies you do you, you, you business with that are suddenly moved from bucket A to bucket B and you yeah. don't have that resilience built in. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and, and again, this is where the operational and the governance, it's like we're playing tennis from opposite ends of different tennis courts. Like the, the questions that are being asked are not the questions we can answer and the questions we want them to ask are not the, uh, the questions being asked. One of the things the US federal government did um, in a lot of the executive orders and zero trust and not, the stuff that's come out the last couple of years is talking about what's the blast radius of things in our environment. So if this piece of our environment gets hacked, how broadly do we feel that pain, right? And I think some of what we need to be doing from a security perspective is to be able to answer that question for the board in terms of major systems that we support, not what happens if a Windows 95 machine gets hacked. We know that, right? But if the Windows 95 machine, and they're still out there. I mean, they've all uh, been hacked already. It's, it's, like I can't at least get to Windows XP. 7. We are, and especially in medicine, right? What happens when the system of the MRI machine or the insulin pump or the pacemaker, that that ecosystem, what happens when that gets hacked? Well, guess what? People die. Is that a problem for the board? Yeah, it's a problem for the board, right? So being able to think about our, our organizations in terms of key systems and the impact of those things when they get hit and then being able to say, okay, if you're going to make a strategic change to this system, does that improve our profile or does that make our profile worse is really some of the art of being able to have a conversation, not just with the board, but certainly the C-suite as well. And we don't do that. We don't do that very well. We're still very much in the, we're going to count the number of assets we have. We're going to count the number of vulnerabilities. <laughs> we're going to count the number of incidents. We're going to count the number of hacks. Well, board doesn't really care. They, don't they care. might care about trends, but not a point in time measurement. That's right. And it becomes right. it becomes even worse when you start to realize that that partner or supplier interconnection, their decision increases your you know your your blast radius, right? So a decision that you may not even be aware of ever or until after it's happened in, it hugely increases your risk without you realizing that that's had an effect. You almost yeah. sound like you're talking about uh, S-bombs, uh, software bill of materials and supply chain, Chris. I mean, I was going to talk about S-bombs and things like that, but you know, we've we, we've talked about S-bombs before. I mean, they're they're great. They just need to happen. That's well, the uh, but the more important question is. How far have we strayed from the script of, of what you're actually going to be talking about at first? Actually, not too far, right? So the, the talk will be, you know, why is it that it's hard to work with the board? What is the role of the board? What is the role of the CISO? And then, you know, how do you how do you make those connections? And what are the metrics that you're going to talk, you're going to need to talk about? And how do you tell a story? Because it's not, you need the data behind you. But when you talk to the board, if you lead with all the widgets and all the jiggery and pokery that goes along with data, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to know what the takeaways are. You need to leave the board with an action to take away. Even if the action is go read up on this, what's happening in Russia right now, whatever the action is, you need to give them something to that makes them feel like they're doing something. I know I'm I'm trivializing the board here a little bit, but but you need to do that, and so that's what the talk is going to try and address as best as I can. So, 
So is this talk focused about CISOs who want to be able to take that next step and, and represent to their board? Or is this about, this is more focused on people on boards, please come to this meeting and realize how you should be communicating to people in security or a bit of both? Yeah, yes, yes and. Because I, I really philosophically do believe that it's not about the CISOs forcing security awareness on the board. It's got to be two sides of the coin coming together to function appropriately. If the board isn't willing to engage, it doesn't matter how good your metrics are or how, how it just doesn't matter. On the other hand, if the board's willing to engage and as a CISO, you're not prepared to engage in a way that's meaningful for them, you're going to fall on your face too. So, so yes and, Chris. Yeah, and also, I, mean, I think personally, people in security really need to figure out how to present to leadership. I mean, I've been through this journey and I'm still not there, but I'm sure there are millions of, of people in security out there. If you have a 30, 30 slides in your slide deck and you're presenting to someone in leadership, you lost them at slide two, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Unless but you can do five slides a minute. Which you can, but it's not useful. <laughs> no, and, and can I tell you, this is something that from a leadership development perspective, uh, particularly security people, they, they're not this stuff is not put in front of them so they've you know we we have c-suites who get frustrated that the security teams don't know how to present cfos and others well what are those people doing to make sure that the people who are coming to them have the skills to come in front of them in a way that they want to hear it they're doing nothing right they think security training is about training someone how to hack and it is but it's not the only thing that a security leader is going to need. And I am really frustrated with security people being beaten up for not having the right language skills when the people with the language skills are mute around them. Like it's it's very frustrating to me. So, so there is accountability at the C-suite level and the board to make sure that the people coming in front of them do so in a way that is meaningful to them, not meaningful to the security people, meaningful to the board. They have an obligation to make sure people are trained up and they are failing that obligation right now. I think there's a certain stereotype. It's a stereotype, but it's also a pretty accurate accusation. I mean, people complaining about not uh, about the, the people coming to them not being able to present I would extend that to to just communication in general. I mean, one of the things you've heard me talk about over the years, Chris, is people in security just need to learn to communicate better. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be the board. It just has to be period. Yeah. yeah. There's a and, stereotype of, of like the typical geek on a video conference with just miniatures in the background of his video call. And uh, yeah, wait, wait, I'm the only one who doesn't have any miniatures in the background <laughs> of my video call. I, I do have like a fake Gmail uh, uh, kind of pillow, if that helps. But uh, your geek, geek credit does not spend here, Chris. Uh. Need to be more geeky. Cool. Okay, so um, we've been talking for a while. I really appreciate. It. I've learned a lot from this, and I'm really looking forward to seeing the full full presentation. So, what haven't we asked? What's uh, what's some of the areas that you'll be covering? Maybe that we haven't really dug into. What stories can you tell us about Dave Lewis, Wendy <laughs> Nather, or any any of your coworkers? <laughs> or do you want us to tell you a story? No, no, that would probably be bad. That would be bad. And and if I'm telling stories, I'm not telling it in a recorded forum. I just want to ah, throw that out there. See, that's board level, board level <laughs> vision right there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a reason we talk about security stuff in closed door sessions, and this is no exception. Uh, things that we haven't talked about yet. Now, you've, you've actually got pretty much run of show for, for my session 
for sure. The only thing we haven't covered in this talk is that there are regulations that are coming down that will force boards to pay attention. So the, the silver lining is that CISOs who were struggling to get boards to pay attention, the boards are gonna be regulated to pay attention. That's the good news. The bad news is now they're gonna be paying attention and we've gotta be ready for it. So, uh, so I do talk a little bit about those regulations that I'm starting to see come down um, primarily in the United States at the moment, although I'm seeing some stuff happening in the EU and in, in Great Britain uh, as well. Um, but yeah, it, it it is on its way if it's not there already. So uh, we've got to be ready for it as an industry. And that that isn't just the security teams, it's also the vendors and the supply chain and the security community around the company as well. So more to come on that. Exciting times. Mm. Cool. Well, with that in mind, is there uh, anywhere where people can follow you, read blog posts, look at your LinkedIn, figure out kind of what you're working on at the moment? Yeah. So I have a website where all of that stuff is, and it's called CISOHelen.com. That's Helen with one L, not two. People, I think it's a indicator of my personality that they want to stick two L's in. Did someone, did someone steal the domain for Helen with two L's? <laughs> no, I should have done it. I wasn't that okay. creative. Yeah. I'm on, not it. Yet. I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> CISOHelen.com. And you can find my blog, my book, my Twitter handle, my LinkedIn profile, whatever. It's all there. Great. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. It's been really educational. I'm really looking forward to the full talk. And uh, we will see you in Dublin. Looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to the First Impressions Podcast and thanks to this week's guest. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org. F-I-R-S-T D-O-T-O-R-G. You can also find more information about First and the First Impressions Podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening.